All right. How are we this morning? Whew. I, I love to sing that song. You say, TJ, you, you, you sing that, that hymn pretty often. And, and, and to that I would say absolutely. Because I, I never want to forget that it wasn't my effort or my perfection or my work or my goods that bought my way into eternity, but it was the precious, thank you, the precious blood of Christ, more valuable than riches, more valuable than gold and silver, more valuable than, than anything that this planet has ever seen or ever will see was the precious blood of Christ that dripped that day on Calvary. And even in the garden, when he was so angst over what he was about to do for his people, he sweat great drops of blood. So today, I, I just I want to be thankful and unashamed to talk about, to magnify the glorious gift of Christ on the cross and and his precious bleeding body. So we're going to pray over the text, and then we will be together in Matthew chapter 14. We have two more to go, three more to go. And um, after today, it'll be two more, but we have three more chapters to go, and we will wrap up this time in, in Romans. And I really would love um, if, if I can make that happen before the new year, but if not, we, we may spend a little January hanging out with Paul still in Romans. So let's pray, and then we'll get into it. Father God, we come before you this morning and we do magnify you, God, for who you are. God, it would be easy to, to stand here or to sing here today or to, to pray and worship here today, God, in and, and spirit and truth and, and thank you for the countless blessings that you have, you have poured out over our lives, the, the grand design of, of creating us, God, just even that, creating us and then introducing us to your son, Jesus. Those are incredible things and we can be thankful for all that you've done. There's, there's grace and there's healing. As we look across the body of Christ, Lord, we see incredible things that you do on a pretty constant basis, Lord. So we would be very easy to thank you for what you've done. But today, God, we want to come before you and thank you for who you are. You are God Almighty, the greatest of all time. God, you are a perfect God. You are a holy God. You are a mighty God. And you've invited us into your story, God, so that we might know you, so that we might see you, so, God, Lord, we might be sent to the nations so that others might know you and see you and then be sent to other nations and other nations, God. So we pray today. As we dig into the book of Romans chapter 14, God, Lord, that you would soften our hearts, that you would open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, and our hearts to receive all that you have for us. God, don't let us miss a thing. And Lord, I just beg this of you, God. God, I beg you that you hide me behind the cross, Lord, that you would hide my opinion, God, my own rhetoric, God, Lord, my, God, Lord, my attitude, my pride, God, that it would all be submitted at the foot of the cross. Lord Jesus, that you would genuinely speak through your word to your people, God. We are desperate for your spirit. We are desperate for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. I mean, if you have your Bibles, go to Romans 14 and we will read through. I'm going to read through all of what we're going to, to talk and then, then I'm, I'm going to pick it apart for us. So let's read together. 14.1. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him. But do not quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains. And let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats. For God has welcomed him. 
Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day better than the other, and while another esteems all the days alike, each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, the one who, since he gives thanks to God. While the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God, for none of us live to himself. We're going to key in on this verse in a few minutes, but for none of us live to himself and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord. For to this end Christ died and lived, so that he might be the Lord over both the living and the dead. We will camp there in a minute, but let's go back to verse 1 and begin to work through the text together. Today, if, if you have a, a, a cool Bible that has little headings or a little header above the chapter, you might see something about judging or, you know, thou shalt not judge or don't judge. My Bible says, do not pass judgment on one another. That kind of gives you an idea of what we're going to be talking about today. So let's go. Romans 14, 1. I'm going to read this again and get into the text. For as for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. I want you to key in on this. I want you to key in on weak. I want you to key in on welcome. I want you to key in on quarrel. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Listen, the weak in faith, I want you to hear this. The weak in faith are immature believers who are still clinging to the Mosaic laws and rituals of their past religion. When he reads weak in faith, oftentimes, or at least for me, when I've read the book of Romans, especially chapter 14, right here when he says those who are weak in faith, my mind automatically goes to those who are, those who are needy in faith, those who don't have very much faith, or those whose, whose faith is just kind of you know, weak. They can't stand very well, or you know, they're easily tempted, or they're easily drawn away. But Paul gives us another picture here. The, the weak here are those who are immature in their faith. They, he's writing to a Gentile church, and those who are weak in faith are converted Jews who still feel attached or clinging to the do's and don'ts of the Mosaic Law so, they, so that they might feel justified in front of God. And there was a quarrel inside the church. And it, it happened all across the, 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 new church, the New Testament church. At the, the founding of the church, there would be meat that was sacrificed to idols. And, 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 and Jews, under the Mosaic Law, you, you don't eat meat that's been sacrificed to idols. Then when Jesus came on the scene, Jesus abolished all other false gods and all other ideas of false God. And he, he pointed to his people and said, hey, I am the Christ. I am God in the flesh. So when you're saved and redeemed, you're, you're freed from the, the, the binding of the Mosaic law. And now you're not a slave to the law. You're not a slave to do's and don'ts. You're a slave to me. You're a slave to Christ. You're, your whole life is now wrapped up in me. And, and here's what Jesus was saying. And even Paul says this, if you want to eat the meat, you can because if you're a believer in Christ Jesus, then you acknowledge that this meat's been sacrificed to false gods that aren't even real. So you can eat the meat if you want to. See, so, so you would walk into a house maybe in the New 
Testament church, maybe there's, you know, Epaphras from Colossae and a few other guys were sitting around talking about this Jesus that had just been crucified and, and they had been freshly converted and then someone walks in and, and there's a guy over there eating a ribeye that had been sacrificed to Aphrodite or something. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? And in their heart, automatically, because the meat had been sacrificed to idols, they assumed that they were compromising their faith. So they would judge. And I'm, I mean, we're in the South, right? And we're in a Baptist church today, so you, you guys aren't accustomed to seeing, ever seeing anybody judge, are you? <laughs> Share a story from my own life. I, um, yeah, I'm just going to go here. All right. Um, I was 19 or 20, and, uh, and, and when, I, when I preach and I lead, oftentimes I've, I've been asked, you know, people will bring Old Testament, and this is just from, I'm telling you, we're, we're just going to dig in, and, and I'm going to be transparent with you for a minute. But I have, uh, obviously, a tattoo. If you've seen me lead worship, there's tattoos. I remember being grilled one time by the executive committee at one of the church I served about how sinful I was and how dishonoring to God I was because I had gotten a tattoo. And I'm just bringing this up because some of you may hold that conviction. You may look at the Old Testament and see the verse in Deuteronomy where it says, hey, man, you, you're not supposed to mark your body or pierce your ear. My, my simple challenge, and this isn't personally just because I have tattoos, my simple challenge is to read the rest of the verse where it says men aren't to shave their face. Just, just a... Continue reading. But, but it's easy oftentimes when we've been radically transformed by the grace of God because of somebody's appearance, because of what of somebody's eating or somebody's drinking, or because of what somebody's drinking or what somebody's eating to pass judgment and say, oh, they must not be a quality Christian. It's easy in the church to begin to file a list of do's and don'ts. If I, if I only watch the Duggars and if I only see PG movies and if I only drink milk and water, then Jesus will be pleased and I'll be a good Christian. Can I tell you this morning, all that is is moralism. There are going to be tons of people. Listen, there are going to be tons and tons and tons, and this is fearful for me. There are going to be tons of people who walk up to Jesus on the judgment. They walk up to the throne of God, and they're going to say, you know, I, I, I didn't cuss, Lord, and if I did, it was just in my head, and then I said, I'm sorry. You know, I, I never took a sip of alcohol. I never put a pinch of tobacco in my mouth. I never smoked a cigarette. God, I, I never got angry, and he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. And then the guy who struggled with alcoholism his whole life is going to skip into the kingdom. He said, TJ, that's uncomfortable. Man, that's the truth. This isn't about doing good. This is about being radically transformed by the Savior who loves you. He'll get your act together. You just have to surrender. See, we're under this context of, man, it, you know, if I, if I don't eat these meats, if I don't drink these drinks, if I, if I do all the right things and say all the right things, then God will be approved of me. No, you run to Jesus. You'll be approved on behalf of Jesus' sake. And then God will begin to flesh the sin out of your life. He'll begin to work on you. He'll begin to sanctify you. He'll begin to convict you. And for some of you, it'll be a conviction that you'll never watch an R-rated movie. Some of you, it'll be a conviction that you never flip on 
the country station or the R&B station or, or throw a little Sam Hunt on the DVD and light some candles. You know what I'm saying? Some of you, you'll never do that. that that's your, that'll be a conviction. And this is the thrust of the text. This is what Paul's saying. Listen, when your brother or sister, if they do have those convictions, don't judge them. If they're not convicted in the same way that you're convicted, if their convictions look different from yours in some way, if their convictions flesh out differently, and I'm not talking about the core essentials of the faith. I want you to hear me say that well. I'm not talking about the core essentials of the faith. I do believe God calls us to be moral men and women who are seeking after holiness and purity and integrity. I believe that wholeheartedly. But I genuinely know people who did not watch The Passion of the Christ because it was rated R because of the brutality. And it was against their convictions to watch R-rated movies. And I was like, what are you, I don't get it. Because their convictions had led to legalism instead of freedom. When Christ saves you and He redeems you, He will convict you of sin. And for some of you, some of the things that you, you drank before Christ, you can't drink anymore. Some of the things you ate before Christ, you can't eat anymore. Some of the things that you listened to or watched, you can't listen to or watch anymore because that breathes in you that old man and that old life and it will try to pull you back to who you were before Christ. But listen, this is what he's trying to say. Believers, when you're looking to the left and to the right, and when you see this believer over here, and let me just give you a good version of the South. Some of you may walk into Applebee's one day and see a deacon or, or somebody drinking a glass of wine, or you may see somebody who's young in the faith drinking a glass of wine what's the automatic thought in South Georgia when you see someone with a glass of wine <laughs> the, the, the good Christian listen the good Christian in their mind they automatically think they have they're, they're, they're a lesser Christian and I'm not going to get into an alcohol debate I just wanted to give you a picture of what we do oftentimes we chuckle because we, we all know it. And don't let it be alcohol. Pick something else. Pick the way they parent or the kind of husband or kind of wife they is. Well, for whatever reason, as Christians a lot of time, this is who Paul is writing to. He's writing to a group of people who have taken their eyes off of Christ. They've taken their eyes off the king and they put their eyes on each other saying, hey man, you need, you need, you know, you're, I'm a better Christian than this guy. I, but in reality, I don't know his struggles. I don't know his wrestle. And, and, and I'm just as sinful as this other guy. Our sin just looks different. Our sin just plays out in society differently. And this is, this is Paul's heart. Paul was saying, listen, I don't, I don't want you to judge them or look down on them. I want you to love them and honor them. And listen, if they are a believer, I want you to hear me. You can question them. You can ask them, hey, you know, are you convicted about this? Does this convict you? Let me share my convictions. You can do that without being judgmental. You can do that without being a Pharisee. You can do that without being a jerk. You can. Westboro Baptist hasn't figured that out. They haven't. I want you to hear this. Because some of you in here are weak in faith. And this is what I mean when I say weak in faith. You're immature in your faith. You're brand new to Christ. You're a fresh Christian. So you have a million things that you've written out in your list of the things that you'll, you, you'll never do and never say. And I just want to, I, I, I want to, you know, unless it's, you know, Unless it's PG, Southern Baptist, and gluten-free, you're not going to be a part of it. 
and for some of you, that'll be true. But I heard a story last week when we were at the Georgia, um, the Georgia Baptist Convention. At the convention, we, we sat under the teaching of a man, he told, or, or a young lady actually on a video, and she told the story of women in the Atlanta area. And their ministry, they were ladies from the church, and this is how the girl described it. She was like, this was like a, you know, a homeschool mom that never sinned, never did anything wrong. This is the girl talking about another lady. But the girl worked at a strip club. And these ladies from this church in Atlanta, they would get together and they would cook food. And just the ladies, and every evening they would take it to the strip, strip club and they would share the gospel with the girls and they would just feed them and they would leave. You say, whoa, 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 really? Has he called us to be light and darkness? I could give you a palatable gospel. I could give you an easy Christianity. You say, TJ, man, you're preaching too hard today. Today seems like you're angry. I'm not angry. I just realized there is coming a day that the trumpet will sound, that Christ will cease time. There will be no more sermons. There will be no more time to reach. There will be no more time to run. There will be no more time to give. So let me ask you this, believer Christian, if today was your last day, how many lost people in your life that you know, that you love, that you've prayed for, today would be the day that you would share with them if you knew it was your last? Would you just nod your head if you say, yeah, if today was my last, there are people that I know I would share with. I want you to just kind of acknowledge that. I'm acknowledging it. Yeah. Dana's clap is qualified because she travels around the world giving her life up for Jesus. But anyways. I want to ask you this. If, if that's true of you today, if it was your life, then, then, then why not? Why not? Oh yeah, if today was my last day, man, I, I, you know, I, would, I, would, I would call this guy. Some of you did. It popped into your mind, the person you would call, the person that you would text, the person that you would reach out to. It popped in your heart and you popped in your mind. So here's my question. What's stopping you today? What's stopping you today? from calling that person, from texting that person, from emailing that person, from reaching out to that person. Because at the end of the day, here's, we, we can come in and we can sing pretty songs and we can preach good sermons, but if we aren't actively being a part of winning souls to Christ, then we are wasting our time. I promise I love you guys. I really do. So, so the, but the, here's the temptation of the weak believer. If you're weak in faith, and by the way, all that was for free. That was kind of off topic. We're getting back on If you're, if you're a weak believer, a new believer, one of the unhealthy struggles is that if you, if you steer towards legalism, if it's easier for you to follow Christ when you're just following rules, it's very easy for you to follow Christ out of fear rather than out of faith. Do you hear me this morning? I remember when I was new to Christ and I was just following Jesus. I was just beginning to seek Him. And I, I, I did. I kept a check. It sounds funny, but I kept this checklist, a genuine checklist. I was raised in a Pentecostal church. And, and I've told you some of the crazy convictions that, that some people around me had. You know, you don't, girls don't wear makeup. They shouldn't wear earrings. Guys don't wear shorts. All this stuff that for some people is, I guess, a genuine conviction. There's all these list of rules. 
When I realized at 18 years old, I'd been a believer for two years, and I realized that I was a genuine believer, but a lot of my faith was dominated, a lot of my relationship with Christ was dominated by fear rather than dominated by faith. And my heart for you this morning, weak believer, if you're a new believer, if you're a new convert to Christ, or if you're beginning to pursue Christ, do not let your relationship be dominated by fear. You should have a healthy fear of the Lord that he could have blown you up, but he saved you anyways. So don't let your relationship be dominated by fear. Let it be dominated by faith that you're accepted in Christ, that you're redeemed in Christ, that you're loved in Christ. And listen, for the strong believer, for the mature believer in the room, you've been a believer, you've experienced freedom in Christ, you know what it is to to, to put the old man and the old habits and the old things away and receive new life in Christ. It is easy for you sometimes to look at the weak believer, a mature believer, and pick, or an immature believer, and pick them apart. Well, they don't do what I do, so they must not be as godly as me. They're not, you know, they don't pray as many times a week as I pray. They don't, you know, they don't serve in the capacity that I serve, so clearly they're not as strong as a believer as I am. Listen, the whole idea of this text is that we would stop judging one another. And this is the incredible thing about the text. He's not talking about lost people. He's talking about those in the faith. He was not talking about us judging those outside of the body or outside of the church. He was writing because it was a genuine problem of brothers and sisters in Christ looking to their left, looking to the right, and casting judgment on one another. I would argue that that problem still exists. That in churches all across the country, man, I get to lead worship in all different kinds of churches. And a lot of the pastors that I get to sit in their office and talk to, a lot of them say the same things in the same context. Man, we could change the city if we just had unity. Man, we could, we could change the world if we just had, if our people would just work together. And I, I mean, listen, our, we have a blessed church here with a lot of unity. Just preaching the text. So don't be tempted, believer, who's mature or strong to pick your brothers and sisters apart. Hold them accountable, love them, stand with them, and let the Lord work His salvation out in their heart because Scripture says that He will. Scripture says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your own salvation. Stop trying to work everybody else around you, their salvation out. Work out your own salvation. I believe that was an inspired way of God saying sweep around your own back porch before you take the broom to everybody else's house. So check this out. Romans 14, 3. Let no one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. I want you to hear this phrase, and I want you to hold it. This is Christianity, not a game of comparison. This is Christianity. Christian means little Christ or Christ-like. Jesus sat with the drunkard. Jesus sat with the prostitute. Jesus sat with the beggar. Jesus sat with the destitute. Let me tell you this this morning. Can, can I just, and, and I know, man, this is one of my unpopular sermons where probably 40 or 50 of you won't show up next week, and I'll have to ask why. But here's the reality. Jesus looked a lot different than we do in our nice suits and our nice clothes, driving our nice cars, coming to our nice building that we want people surrounding us that look just like us, make about the same amount of money, talk the same way, are educated on the same plane, and if they're not, then we don't have time for them. 
That's what the church looks like in America. But Paul said, welcome them. Because Christianity is not about comparison. It's about being like Christ. Christianity is not about evaluating how good or how bad you are spiritually. Christianity is about surrendering to Christ and then bearing that image to the world. Some of you may disagree with that. And that's cool. But if you do, just repent. Seek Jesus, listen, if your Christianity, if your view of Christianity has anything, other to, has anything to do other than following Christ, reflecting Christ, pouring out Christ, if it has all these other things attached to it, then it is not a correct view of Christianity. Was it easy? That's not true, man. Well, what? Yeah. what about our structures? What about our programs? I don't know. What about the 25... Christians in Egypt that died two days ago that had no programs, but they were willing to go to a cross for Christ. It's about Jesus and His gospel. It's not about how good or bad we are spiritually. It's not about how good or bad you think you are spiritually. It's about knowing Christ, loving Christ, and reflecting Christ to the world. And the plea from Paul is the same plea in my own heart. Listen, stop, stop judging one another. Stop evaluating your Christianity. Isn't it a weird thing that we have self-help books in the Christian bookstore, How to Be a Better Christian? Jesus said, follow me. He said, spend time in my word. Spend time in conversation. I wonder what it would look like if we stopped putting all the pressure on ourselves to be perfect and just fell in love with the one who is perfect. What would it be like for you, believer? I'm not advocating some mass exodus from being moral. I hope you know my heart and you know me well enough to know that. We don't evaluate our sin in light of someone else's. We view it in the shadow of an empty cross and that changes everything. I want you to hear this. We do not evaluate our sin in light of someone else's. It's just another example of how we're, we're always judging. You know, I'm a good Christian. Am I a bad Christian? Am I a, spiritually, am I a spiritual giant or am I a spiritual weakling? Because we look around us at other people, don't we? Don't we do that? Man, I, we, we make ourselves feel bad sometimes. I'll just let you into my life. I won't, I won't pick on you. You know, I'll look at other preachers sometime and, and, and how, much they, how much time they spend doing this or, you know, how, you know, I don't know, all the different things that you could, you could look at someone else's spiritual life and there may be some things that they do that you don't do and you automatically start feeling like, well, maybe I'm a lesser Christian. Maybe I have lesser value in the kingdom. And listen, I want you to hear me this morning. That's a ploy from the enemy to distract you and to discourage you and to pull you away from Christ. When Christ looks out on, on his sons and daughters, he sees lost, he sees forgiven, and he sees free. He sees forgiven and he sees free. Philippians 2.12 says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only is in my present, but much more in my absent, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. The two tensions in this that float around through the whole text is the approval and the acceptance of others. There are people who, when they get around certain crowds of Christians, they will act differently, they will pray differently, they will worship differently, they will do differently, because they, not because they're in love with Jesus and want to be that way, because they fear being judged. Can I encourage you, believer? If you have that wrestle, I wrestled through that. You 
are not accepted by any man or any woman in this room. You are not forgiven and freed from the chains of sin, hell, and death by any man or any woman in this room. You don't have to meet anyone's approval in here except God's. Because He's the one that's accepted you. He's the one that's received you. He's the one that's forgiven you. 14.4 says this, Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld for the Lord is able to make him stand. I want you to hear the servant of another master, that phrase. I want you to hear this. Do you realize that when you degrade another believer, belittle their convictions, judge their expression of freedom, or undermine who they are in Christ, that you are not actually insulting them? When you hear that this morning, when you look across the room and you degrade someone's convictions or you degrade someone's values or you degrade how they do or don't worship, you degrade how they do or don't prayer, pray, you degrade how they do or don't, yada, 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 you're not insulting them. You're insulting Christ in them. You're insulting Christ in them. Don't judge one another. Don't seek the approval and the acceptance of man. Seek Jesus. I'm going to work through this really, really fast. 14, 5, and 6. One person esteems another better than another, while another esteems another day alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord, while the one who eats eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. Listen, everyone will wrestle with grace, conviction, more and moral responsibility in different ways. We are not there to judge our brothers and sisters who are wrestling through the idea of grace, moral responsibility, and convictions. We are there to encourage, to love them, and to keep them accountable. The church is supposed to be a safe place where we can bring our struggles, where we can bring our temptations, and we can lay them on the table, and we have brothers and sisters around us who stand with us, who lift us up when we're not strong enough to lift ourselves. That's what the church is supposed to be. Not a place where we come and feel condemned or judged. I'm wrapping up. Listen to this. Romans 14 8 and 9, for if we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For this end, Christ died and lived, that he may be the Lord of both the dead and the living. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be the Lord of both the living and the dead. Listen to this, the point here, neither you or your brother, if you are in Christ, belong to yourself. You belong to the Lord. Imagine if we looked at those around us who are struggling with their convictions or who are wrestling with their sin. What if we looked to our left and our right and we didn't see them as an object to be judged, but as a brother or sister to be loved and to be prayed for and to be encouraged? What if we looked at it, when we looked at other believers, we didn't evaluate how spiritual they were or how spiritual we were, but when we looked at them, we saw someone who belonged to the Lord, and when they looked at us, we saw someone who belonged to the Lord. What if that was our view of each other in this room? Not, not, not bankers and lawyers and doctors and, and electricians and you know, all these things, whatever your vocation is, but what if we were really defined in this room and in the world as people who belong to Christ? That when I talk to you and when I have conversation with you, I, I'm, not, I'm not talking... To just a guy or just you know just a lady, I'm not talking to just a you know, just a mechanic or just a clerk. I'm talking to someone who belongs to the God of all creation. 
and maybe this is even more important, when I talk about you, when I'm not around you, and when you talk about those who are to your left and to your right, when you're not around them, imagine if you had that conversation as if you knew they belonged to Christ. My heart for you today is not to offend you. Not to make you uncomfortable. That's never my aim. Like I'm not, I don't want you to think I'm preaching some from a place of arrogance, thinking I've got this all together. I struggle with the same things that I'm warning about. I struggle. If you ever see me get real passionate, sometimes I kind of get low and I grip my hands. It's probably because I've sinned in that way at some point in my life, and I hate that old sin, and I'm trying to run from it, and I just get passionate about it. Because I don't want us to be just a bunch of people that know about God and know how to do things for God. I want us to be people who are so in love with Christ that we are his example and his light to the entire world, to the, to, to the entire church body we have here, that we looked at each other, that we lived in such a way that we confessed. You belong to Christ. You are his you're his. And I wonder today, and I'm going to say this and we're going to wrap up. We're done. What if, you, what if you could look in the mirror today, those of you that struggle with your value, you struggle with your spirituality, you struggle with who you are in Christ. What if you could know today and you could remember today and, and you, look, come, come in close with me. Listen, what if, you, what if you were so convinced today that you belong to Christ? That you are accepted and approved in Christ Jesus, that you belong to Christ. Listen, not to your past. I want you to hear me this morning. You don't belong to your past. You don't belong to rumors. You don't belong to speculation. You don't belong to the Republicans, and you don't belong to the Democrats. You belong to Jesus. Do you have that confidence today? An unshakable confidence that you belong to Jesus. Let's pray together. Father God, Lord, as we have a time of response this morning, God, it's so easy to get caught up in legalism. And God, we confess and we affirm this morning that you, you have called us to be moral men and women. You have called us to live lives of integrity, of honesty and purity. God, you have called us to abstain from things that would be destructive and tear our lives apart. You've called us to pursue you. But God, I pray that we, I pray that we never get so caught up, God, in, in, in being good that we fall out of love with a good Savior. And God, I pray this morning that as we, we wrestle with a list of do's and don'ts so often, God, Lord, that we would take our eyes off our brothers and sisters who are struggling, God, our eyes off our brothers and sisters who are excelling spiritually, it seems, God, and that we would just take our eyes and we would fix them on you, the author and finisher of our faith. God, we're desperate for you. We God, we do not have this thing figured out. 
God, just the number of denominations in the world is a good example, God, Lord, that we don't, God, we don't, we don't, we don't have a good grip on this thing, but what we know is that you save sinners, Lord, and this room is full of either those who have been saved by an incredible Savior or those who need to be saved by the incredible Savior. So, Lord, you're the one we look to. You're the one we hope to help in, God. Lord, you're the one that we love today, and we pray that you do the work in here that we can't do in ourselves, that we can't do for ourselves. You do the great work of the Spirit today. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if you don't know Jesus, I'm just going to plead with you for a moment. Now, I don't ever do this, but if you do not know Jesus, if He is not your Savior, would you run to Him today? Would you confess Him as Lord? Listen, I know in your mind, some of you may be sitting there and you say, man, uh, there's a few more things that I want to get worked out, TJ. There's a few more things. You know, I gotta, there's a few more words I want to get out of my vocabulary. There's a few more things in my cabinet that I want to get rid of. There's a, there's a few more things I want to delete off the history of, uh, you know, of my computer before I surrender to Christ. Listen, could I challenge you today? Run to Jesus. Run to Jesus. If you want to be saved today, you can come to this altar I would love to pray with you. I would love to to talk to you about him and what it means to be saved. But listen, if you're a believer and you need to begin to to value those to your left and those to your right and to stop judging, I pray that you would be bold enough to say a prayer of repentance today. That you would ask God to clean your heart. And as they sing, I invite you to do that. So you can stand with us as we respond.